It's season three, episode 19 of the Hall of Fame show. And Evan, I told you, brother, I told you, actually, I only just told you this a couple hours ago, that we were going to have a special guest. And I didn't tell you who it was. Now, we look at rock and roll, well, we look at all halls of fame. I think that we know our rock and roll hall pretty good, right? Sure. (laughs) I have gotten someone who knows it better than us. Well, well, better than me. 100% agree. Now, I'll I'll give him me as well, so. All right. And someone who we have referenced quite a lot, Nick Baumbach, you were a guest on my show before when it's just called The Buck Stops Here, but now it's actually called The Bucknerverse. (laughs) Right. And you were in the Bahamas last time. Well, Barbados, but sure. Barbados. Start with a B. Yeah, something... Something from that, from a song from the Beach Boys. Yeah, as you say, it's a different Beach Boys song, I think. Yeah. Right. And yes, last week we talked about our reaction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you kind of, anyone who listens to us regularly knows what Evan's going to do and what Kirk's going to do. Nick, man, this is your passion, man. So, like, I, we're stoked to have you open the show. And, buddy, what do you think? I about the 2022 class. Well, we did an entire reaction episode for my podcast, Rock and Retrospect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So please check please, it out, guys. Yeah, if you haven't already. That. Yes, absolutely. And um, but the class itself, I think it's a really great class. This is a class of seven great performers, most of whom have been overdue for the rock hall. And I guess the majority have been on the ballot for the first time, like Duran Duran, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, and of course, uh, Carly Simon. So you have those, then you have, of course, Pat Benatar and uh, the Eurythmics coming back on the ballot. Uh, yeah, it's a really great class. And I think what I really like about this class is that it's using these side categories to its full advantage, right? Because last year was the first year that John Sykes overtook as the head of the like rock hall like like this like the ceo or like um like the figurehead for for the rock hall right over jan wenner and what's really interesting is that he inducted i think it was 13 people last year total and i've always said even on my show and my blogs and all that stuff it's always what he does the second year because then that shows consistency right in terms of like is it just a fad that they just inducted like 13 total inductees or does it continue? But he outdid it and even added another person because it's a total of 14 this year. So yeah, it's a really well-rounded class. You have all types of music represented here. And I always look at rock and roll too as an umbrella term for popular music and it fits all sorts of genres and styles. I think more of like an attitude, like, expression it's individuality it's liberation uh rebellion all that stuff but you have country music you have new jack swing you have hip-hop you have blues you have calypso with harry belfonte you have a new wave it's a new wave heavy class if anything so i think what i like about this class is if you think about it it's very well-rounded in terms of how it's telling i think the true story of rock and roll it's not just like one aspect or another. It's all over the place, but I love it about that. Mm. Uh, I, I said last week that, and accurately so, that this was going to be Evan's favorite class. Mm. Yeah, 
And I'm really enamored with this class. So for you personally, taking your fan, your criticdom out of, out of it, but your fandom, yeah. how do you personally feel about this class compared to some of the other ones that we've had in the, over the last 10 years? As a fan, I think it's one of the strongest classes, if you think about it, because you have all this star power. Like, you don't have to explain to the average music fan or average person who these people are. They know who Dolly Parton is. They know Eminem. They know Lionel Richie. Like, it's a tailor-made class for the HBO era, if there ever was one. You don't have to sit here and explain why craft work is important or someone like that but i'm being serious though about craft work because like mm. they're so worthy they got an early influence once you're in you're in like that's how i think that's what the john sykes mentality is now like induction in whatever category it doesn't matter at this point as a fan though i like this class because it represents a lot of the music that i personally like like new wave and alternative and singer songwriter pop music i think it's a very strong class if you take it at a rudimentary level but i think that you're seeing a populist push obviously because like something that i always think of is like on rolling stone or new york times when they promote who's inducted in the classes it's pretty great to see that it's it's always gonna be dolly parton (laughs) in this class and eminem because they're just so culturally ubiquitous and famous like they're just right there then Lionel Richie has been up there, but then you've seen Annie Lennox, you've seen Carly Simon. And to me, that's great. Like when it's not the obvious three people that are in the headline, that's good. Mm-hmm. But you, of course, you're going to have Dolly and Eminem because they're just right. like, it's like Mother Teresa. And then like, <laughs> I don't know what we want to call Eminem, honestly. Personally. Not Mother but Teresa. I would say like the, the, the well, she's probably going to like beat the shit out of him with her, her, her ruler probably because, you know, he's pretty terrible but uh no i'm joking but uh no i love this class so duran duran is probably the one that i'm so happy the most with like they needed this so did carly because they just were not valued by critics and you know what it's about damn time especially for carly simon 25 years she had to wait and some of her contemporaries waltzed right in pretty much like i don't know yeah so one of the things going back to the popularity for the first time ever, not just a top person on the, the uh, online vote, but the top eight people on the online vote all got in. That's who I predicted, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was crazy. I, I, was, I, I knew that and I was giving you a chance to brag. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one knew Judas Priest was going to get in musical no. excellence. So like when someone, so a few people asked me that, like, oh, did you really get it? I'm like, yes, because there's no way you would have known that they would have gotten in that way, but they still got in. Who cares? Right. Well, I mean, it, it was interesting to me because uh, Kirk and I were both convinced that that musical excellence spot was going to go to Shaka Khan in some, in some way, shape, or form. A lot of people did. Yeah. The fact they gave her the break from the ballot this time, and they're just going to, you know, this is the opportunity. Uh, and the fact with Judas Priest was surprising, although not surprising because the Rock Hall does this all the time where they have somebody in the ballot and then they find another way for them to get in. But I was just a little surprised that, again, it, I was surprised last year when they took um, LL Cool J instead yeah. of Chaka Khan. This year I was surprised it was Judas Priest instead of Dionne Warwick if they're going to take somebody off the list. But, you know, now that we're thinking about it, uh, because the voters sort of like put in more female artists, right? could that have possibly bumped Chaka from this year? 
Exactly. So I think it's a smart move to take Shaka off the, like the more I thought about it, because almost everyone I know that does these predictions and talks about the Rock Hall, we all thought, oh, Shaka's coming back. She's like the bridesmaid in many ways of the Rock Hall in, in a serious way, because it's like she's been nominated seven times, I think, with Ruthless and Solo. It's like something's got to give. But I think what's going to happen is she's going to come back next year. And then that's going to be the litmus test if she gets in either musical excellence or she might get in because now so many artists that have been in her way, like, like the Tina Turner's and, you know, the, you know, e even like a Annie Lennox or because she is kind of soul music. If you think about it, it's it, and Lionel Richie, even like it, it could help her in the long run. So I always think like the problem with these ballots a lot, and you saw it in this year's, ballot right you had 10 returning nominees which is like double digits i think that's kind of crazy like you really need to refresh a lot of these ballots you need new names like if they become stagnant i think that's the problem with shotgun i'm more shocked that they didn't put say like an mc5 in really influence like they're right. just they're never gonna get, i like the mc5 we did an entire episode with mark on the mc5 for my show but they're just never going to get in with these verses. They're not like the Sex Pistols where they have that one album that everyone knows. You know what I mean? Or like that small work. And I love the MC5. Wayne Kramer is incredible and they're great, but they're just never going to get in with these voters. The New York Dolls, they might because the voters always love their glam rock, right? Like they're, that's always like a little, like they could happen. MC5, the voters historically have not embraced punk without the obvious people. I mean, it took the Stooges eight times to get in. I know. And even like- As high profile as the Stooges, probably the public consciousness at this point. Absolutely. And then you've got to think too, like John Lando, who's the head of the committee, of course, and he's an inductee and he was Bruce Springsteen's manager um, and whatnot. Uh, he was their producer. So they have an in and Tom Morello is a huge advocate for them as well. But I think sometimes you got to also say, okay, enough is enough. We got to, get i'm always a proponent of this even with the rock hole reconsider project I, I was always like if they're not connecting with the voters go with someone else you gotta you never get to know and, and you're actually further in the backlog because you know it's just it's it's so hard but um yeah i'm shocked they didn't use it on mc5 or That's even the, the dolls i but especially mc5 like it feels like wayne kramer's on this big promotion for touring again like with the mc i think 50 and he's doing a lot of public appearances he even like retweeted one of the things i did for the podcast i was like oh my god like it's like stop wayne like like that's that's amazing but uh yeah it just seemed like i don't know why they wouldn't but especially when it's redefined now now you got like post rock people rock and roll era people like gil scott heron and Kraftwerk and even Wanda Jackson and Freddie King, if you want to go back like 10 to 15 years, where like the rock call has never been consistent with their categories. They broke with the second year with Smokey Robinson. That's why I always Without say- the people, miracles. Right. And he was only eligible like what, like 13 or 14 years from his first solo record. It's something like absurd like that. So when people say like, oh, like I'm such a purist and like I, it has to be performers or it has to be this- They've never been consistent. You kind of got to roll with it with them because, again, induction is induction, no matter how you look at it. Like, no one cares when you die. Oh, LL Cool J, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee in the musical excellence category. 
no one cares about that except for the like the people who hyper focus on the stuff it's just the rock and roll hall of fame inductee and i think that's what i, I think a lot of people need to start thinking like you know with these categories like rob halford is so happy about his induction with Drew Priest. he's even said like i think it's even better that the vote that the uh nominating committee thinks we're excellent that's even better like he's <laughs> twisting it to make it good no but i'm being serious like that's a yeah. good thing though if he's happy then why should i not be happy that's kind of how i look at it um, uh, so, so one, one thing with that, uh, let, let's look at the, the whole metal thing. Uh, Evan and I talked about that last week. Right. And we kind of had the same opinion that this does nothing for the Iron Maidens, Motorheads of the world, because the people who were voting didn't vote Judas Priest in. Yet, Judas Priest is a natural cog to get some of the the metal accent and right what would you say about that Nick? here's the thing so i think the rock hole you got to look at it from this perspective and this is what i said last year about ll is it's a huge middle finger to the voters that they can't get their shit together to induct them the regular way like now rogers is a perfect example of that too like she goes on the ballot 11 times and judas priest their third and ll was six and it's like something's got to give at some point like it's almost like they can't ignore them any longer. Like, like it, it, it would look absurd if you had Jay-Z and, and LL is not in. And LL has like a Kennedy Center honor. Like, it's like he has major awards on his side that says, hey, I got this. But with the metal argument, you know, the voters historically do not embrace metal. They just don't. I mean, Metallica got in their second year, but there's a whole big to do because... I think they didn't realize they were eligible the year before the year that Madonna was first eligible right. in 2008. I think it was a mistake on their part. Like not that they did it intentionally. They were like, Oh, you have to wait. I think they just did not fact check it. Right. I, that's the stories I've heard from people close to that. Um, but anyway, I think with metal, it took black Sabbath eight times, eight times. And they have Ozzy Osbourne as their front man, who's legitimately one of the most famous rock stars of the last half century. And you know, here's what I always say about the rock hall. And people love this or hate this, and I don't care because I'm right. <laughs> you take a win when you can, and you take a loss when you must, right? Like, you kind of have to. If you don't, you're always going to be disappointed every time with the rock hall. And I think a lot of the metal fans and music writers that do metal, they're looking at this totally wrong. They're like, oh, it's a constellation prize. No they could actually now get to more seriously like an Iron Maiden or like Slayer or Megadeth or Tool or any of these like metal or metal adjacent people. So instead of like, you know, the Roxist perspective, like, oh, like they're not that the real rock music by the voters. Like, yeah, the voters, they're older. Like the average voter is probably like 65 years old. They have an AARP membership. Like I make that joke, in my blog, but you have to think like a 65 year old when you're predicting things. And of course, like a Lionel Richie and uh, Dolly Parton is going to appeal to those voters way more than a Judas Priest ever could. So I think with metal fans, they just gotta take a win when they can. And I think in terms of like who's next on the trajectory for metal, 
I think Ronnie uh, Del Rio, the one from Dio and um, Black Sabbath, he's next, I think, for musical excellence. Like Tom Morello's a huge proponent for them. I think they're next, and then probably obviously Iron Maiden. Like that's the next big, like, even if you don't know what Iron Maiden's like, you know Iron Maiden. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so I don't know. I think like that that's the thing about the rock hall is that they've never embraced alternative genres like and i say metal is alternative because they were never mainstream like metal was never a mainstream entity i mean of course priest and maiden are super famous and even motorhead but they're not like metallica like or like even tool which I mean, Tool, we forget, it was a huge, like, least successful band, and they still are, and they could still have number one albums 30 years later. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I'm happy for Rob. Rob is super happy, so I'm super happy. And I just want to see Judas Priest collaborate and have, like, a, an all-star jam with, like, potentially, like, the Eurythmics and Carly Simon and Lionel Richie and Dolly Parton. It would be everything. Like, can you imagine the extravaganza that End of Night could be? Like, it's so... Yes! Uh, We're at Rob Halford singing Jolene. I think you could have, like, a mashup I had between... something better, buddy. I had something better last week, and it oh, was... Uh, and it, it was uh, Dolly Parton doing the Dido part for Stan. Oh, what? First of all, I think Dolly would not, like, she would probably, like, you know, we would see Dolly probably scold Eminem first for, <laughs> for being mean. No, I think it would be amazing if it was, like, you got another thing coming and here you come again. Like, just these weird mashups, like, breaking the wall and, like, Jolene or, I don't know. But it's just, like, fun to think about. But, like, I don't know, like... You know, like, well, actually, that's a good question. Who do you guys think will not perform from this class, like in the performers or musical excellence? Because I think Carly said she's not going to perform. She hasn't performed. She has, like, a lot of, like, issues with, like, stage fright and stuff like that. So she's going to have someone obviously perform for her. But do, you, but do you guys think, like, this is, like, a class where I think almost every person will probably be there to perform, <laughs> which hasn't happened in a long time? Can, can you imagine, is Harry Belafonte still able? I mean, he's 95. See, here's the thing. So when I was at the ceremony last year, like in person, and the side categories, with the exception of um, Claire, uh, Clarence Avant and L. Cool J, and I got to think the other categories offhand, they just had video packages. They didn't even, right. like, do anything. Like, when Pharrell Williams introduced Kraftwerk, it was all... TV monitors or Todd Ron Green was inducted. Okay, so let's just say a side rant. I was at the survey with a friend, and I swear to God, when Todd Ron, when Patty Smith came on and it said, I'm inducted Todd Ron Green, I've never seen so many people run to the bathroom, go get another beer, do something else. Like, I've never seen mass exodus in my entire life. Even like, worse than when they did Tupac, because that was a big story with Tupac's induction. Oh, really? Yeah, big story of Tupac's deduction is when he came up, like half the half the audience went to take their break. I don't oh, know wow. that either. Well, yeah. those Pearl Jam fans are kind of crazy because that was a very Pearl Jam, like because that was a hard ceremony to get tickets to, like how Rush was in 2013, because legitimately they were there for that one band. And then like 
Rush, they were disrespectful to fans because they were booing like Donna Summer at some points and, awesome. and like other artists. And I'm just like, respect the people. And first of all, Donna Summer's why I got into the rock ball. So like, oh, wow. you be nice Rush fans. So, you know. They're- no oh, sexier okay. person has ever existed than Donna Summer in 1975. So, so, so two things here. <laughs> Number one, Evan and I are actually Daft Punk. Yes. That, that's a running joke between him and I. Yeah, oh, you can't so. tell we don't have our helmets on, but yeah. we are actually Daft Punk. Does every episode the end like one more time? Is that what you guys are <laughs> with? No, just, just some running bullshit that we have. But okay, so Donna Summer. Okay, explain that one. I, I didn't know that. So... I was on Hall Watchers a few years ago, which is another podcast. And like, <laughs> this is a really funny story. So not better it's not funny, thing. but it's really not funny because it's like kind of sad. So my mom's favorite singer was Donna Summer. Like she's the queen of disco. I love Donna Summer so much. Yeah. Like she's just incredible. When she died in 2012, I saw so many news reports and websites and I had a familiarity with the rock hall, but it wasn't at any level like it is now. and you know, like I always knew existed, but what, what happened was I saw so many articles that mentioned she was nominated like four times, but never got inducted in her lifetime. And the ceremony just happened, I think, right before her death or right after something like it was, that. It was within like a couple of weeks. Yeah. So it was like still like very fresh in people's minds that she was a nominee and she was nominated that year and didn't get in. So I thought to myself, like, Donna Summer seems like such an obvious candidate for the Rock Hall. She should have been in, honestly, her first year. She was such a, a brilliant artist, but she was also a hugely revolutionary artist, like in terms of sexuality and the way she was innovative with Giorgio Moroder with I Feel Love. And she's literally a game changer. And like, if David Bowie and Brian Eno were impressed with you, you should probably be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And no, John, Donna Summer's just one of the, like, it was her and Depeche Mode, the two artists that I was always like, they're just so obvious to me, like, of to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I was like, ride or die with Depeche Mode too. Because I was like, there's no, there's like one of my favorite bands. But I just feel like they're just so overqualified almost. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, how could you be passed over like five times in Donna's case and for them it's like it's absurd but donna maybe become interested and then i visited future rock legends and then let's just say the rest is history and then i started a blog and then a podcast but it all is because of really donna summer and her passing because that just reminded me of why she's so talented and so important and yeah it was just uh she is legitimately the reason why when people when i tell that to other people (laughs) they get very surprised because they're gonna think like oh it's like a classic like insert any classic rock artist no i'm being dead serious like that's what a lot of people would think but no it's uh because of her and depeche but then when depeche got in and then covid happened because i had tickets for that and of course the one year when my favorite band gets in and i can't go because it's everything's canceled you know it's just like ah so but by the way, for me, the person who really got me into when I started looking at this, because Kirk had the website and I stumbled upon it, and then somehow as uh, I was editing the NASCAR section, um, <laughs> but uh, the person who got did it for me for the Rock Hall, believe it or not, was Gil Scott Heron. Like, yes, like when Gil Scott Heron got in last year, I was flabbergasted and so excited. But he was the one for me. Like there was, 
it, it's kind of weird because in many ways he's a spoken word artist. I know that there's music behind it, but he's in many ways a spoken word artist, but he was just so revolutionary in the development of rap and hip hop and social justice and everything. I'm like, this dude is what, what rock should be about. I mean, and we have the people who argue that, you know, rap doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. But at the same time, I had no trouble with the Beastie Boys, most of those folks. Um, but it's, it's, there, it's almost impossible to write, to develop, same with Kraftwerk. Like, it's almost impossible to write the history of music without those, without Gil Scott Heron, without Kraftwerk. And they both got in last year. And I was like, awesome. This is, this is a complete step in the right direction. That's to me the hallmark of any prospective rock and roll hall of fame artist, right? Is like there's a clearly before and after. Like they change something in the trajectory of what we know as rock and roll to make it better or to perpetuate it or to advance it in any sort of way. And rap absolutely belongs with the rock hall. And if we think about even at a like basic level, it's all spoken word. You can go back to like the blues, you can go back to <laughs> folk music, you could go back to many genres that predated rock that use a lot of the same things that hip-hop uses and has still used today so i think it's just like that ship has sailed 15 years ago with the people who are like hip-hop should never be in because grandmaster flash and the furious five were the first ones um and uh yeah, they, I just and they took Dave Clark's five spot, and Fox News was furious. So, oh, you do not mention the name Roger Friedman. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's pretty wild. Some of the things that Roger has reported on, like he's a good gossip journalist in many ways. Like you know, like to get scoops, but you know, some of the things he writes are pretty wild. Uh, but if you're that close, see, this is why I never understood about the Rock Hall. Like, if you're that close and you're like literally like single or very few votes away just induct both of them and give us and open the space for next year because that's what if you remember i don't know if you guys remember this like quest love had an interview about four or five years ago and he said like chic and el Colge came this close and i'm like if you're this close just induct them get them over with like you're nominated how many times then and then you, they put them in these side categories that sometimes work sometimes don't but you know like, that's what I don't understand. It's kind of what we had this year, right? Because we had seven who were voted in. Right. So there, there's no pattern to this. And, you know, like going going back to what Evan was saying with, with uh, the whole thing with Dave Clark Live, it, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, if I'm a voter and my vote had them above Grandmaster. For the record, I think Grandmaster Flash is, is more deserving inductee. But if I'm a voter and that's not what I said, then what am I voting on? Well, it's because there's no transparency in the process. So at, at, at every level at the Rock Hall, that was what I think the issue was more or less like, you don't know the vote totals. Like when Priest was first, nominated back 2018 alan light who's on the nominating committee said in a passing way oh they got the lowest amount of votes they tanked and that's yeah. why it's kind of hard to know unless you get these blurbs or these like random exchanges between people who have like not even like the numbers per se, the, the actual like numbers, but at least the like the, the actual tallies of like who finishes where. But, you know, I just, I don't know. And, but what's, 
this class is telling me though, in many ways is that the voters are looking to induct more women. You saw last year, because half the, half the performers were women, because you had Tina, Carol, and Gogos out of the six. And then this year, you have four of the seven are female-centric acts. You had Beth Benatar, you have Eurythmics, Sally Parton, and Carly Simon. So that's telling me that the voters are looking to induct more women. But more importantly, the nominating committee is putting forth women that the voter that resonates with the voters, essentially. Right. And that it's like... You know, you look at this ballot and you're like, of course, they're going to vote for Carly Simon and Dolly and, you know, some of these names. Like, they're just no brainers. The one that surprised a lot of people, but did not surprise me, was the Eurythmics. Like, everyone, half the people (laughs) that I talked to thought I was crazy. And I kept saying, you know, we did an episode on them, but I kept saying, they're so well connected, these these two. Like, don't underestimate that. And this is what the Rock Roll theme is all about in many ways. It's very political. It's who you know right? Who you work with, who makes you money. It's all, it's all about uh, finances. And uh, the uh, Eurythmics getting in was a surprise to many people. But I, were you guys generally surprised? Like I definitely was not. I know. I'll tell you why. The biggest surprise for me was because uh, the word on the street, and again, you're probably better connected to this than I am, is that the Eurythmics were the first group that missed out back in 2018. Like they were the next group. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, and then they didn't appear in 19, 20, 20, or 21. That was the biggest surprise to me, that they just weren't there. And then when they showed up again, well, if they were just short last time, I was not surprised that they were going to get it this time. I feel like with them, it's like they were on the wrong belt. That 2018, it was still very classic rock heavy. And if you look at that class, because you had Dire Straits, you had the Cars, Moody Blues, and uh, Bon Jovi. And then you had, of course, Priest. You had other people. It just it was the wrong ballot for them and Depeche Mode to stand out, right? And then you had Radiohead. And that that's a whole nother right. topic for another <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, about that, that was the, one of the more shocking results yeah, when Radiohead it, was in it the first time. That just proves you, you're like, you need voters that are like <laughs> in their 30s or 40s, in all seriousness, because it's like, how do you miss Radiohead? Like they're the like the biggest band of- like, I can tell you that. And, 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 I, and I said that, I said that last year. When, when they said that they, they weren't going to show up before the votes came out, Radiohead is on that bottom tier of, okay, if they don't get in first ballot, if this was the UK, it's a different story, but it's not. So, like, they could just sort of, like, get away with that once, not twice. But they didn't show up, really. You got the two other guys. They didn't know that the second time. <laughs> the first time, they did know that. So yeah, you, like we don't even know. That, that's the thing that pisses up me off personally the most. It's like we don't even know who the hell's voting. Um, you could kind of. So you're not gonna know. So every inductee who's living gets a ballot. So that's like half right there. And then you also have <laughs> critics always love to give their opinions, right? Yeah. So those are the ones like the tracker, for example, that Neil from Future Rock Legends had. It's mainly critics because if you think about critics love to say what their opinions are. And so like anyone who's works for like the Rolling Stone has mm-hmm. about, so I think you're right. Like, and it's kind of hard because then you've got to figure, okay, like there's industry people and then there's songwriters and performers and a lot of people, but yeah, you don't know. I just wish we knew at least who finishes where. And right. that's what I, we tried to do in the Rock Hall Reconsider project was at least have you guys sometimes it 
worked. Sometimes it didn't. But the votes are the votes, and that's what people voted on. And yeah. it's like, okay, you so know, th- this is a great segue, and this is the, one of the biggest reasons. Well, one reason obviously is to have your reaction to this. But Evan and I, we talk about your project all the time. Oh, and thank you. We participate in your project all the time. Yes, too. we did. <laughs> Which is yes, cool. nice. you know. Please tell everyone what it is because we're ripping that off for our sports things. Well, I co-ran it with Darren Hines. So I got to give Darren a shout out if, yeah. if Darren's listening. And our idea was um, Neil from Future Rock Legends uh, wrote an article, I think last February or March. I can't remember which month offhand. It was a while. It was, it was sometime in early 2021 that had an idea about if you use a baseball hall of fame uh, template and apply that to the rock and roll hall of fame. Like how would that turn out? And me and Darren, we sat down and me and Darren are friends and we pretty much developed a methodology for how you would create a ballot, who you would pick as a vote nominating committee, who would you have as voters, who, who, like, and, and so like our scenario in, in, in this world was we didn't know how many nominees to put on each ballot. We didn't know if it was like 20, 25, 30. We settled on 40. Do you guys know why we settled on 40? Do you guys 40? want to take a guess? I figured. Bingo. Yeah. It's a top 40. So it's almost like billboard. So that's why we did like a top 40 of whatever year. So we did it well we had a we had a committee of like it was 10 but then uh it was nine and then uh what we would do is we would each have like lists of who we would want on that week's ballot and it was a whole like process and what we would do then is we would settle on a top 40 at least for the first ballot we would vote. And then what we did the first, I think, four rounds, just the nominating committee people, because we wanted to get like the backlog out of the way too. like, you got to get rid of all the like obvious people like Elvis and Chuck Berry and Will Richard and uh, Fats Domino, like just get them out of the way. And then once I think it was like the last one of the 86 class, we actually introduced it to the regular voters. And what was great about the project at first is we had you guys select only 10 out of the 40. And of course people complained because they're like, how can I only pick 10 out of 40? It's like, well, welcome to becoming a rock hall voter in the actual I usually world. didn't. <laughs> you only got five out of 15, right? So then we ended up going with 15 because we we're like, okay, fine. Because usually there are 15 nominees every year, give or take. So if 15 is a good number, so you voted 15 out of 40. And then that went on for many weeks. And then the prep, the uh, criteria for induction was you had to have 50% of votes because that was the standard rock hall thing for the longest time. They kind of got rid of that quietly. Like if you notice, um, they, they don't say it, but they used to say you had to hit at least 50% of the, the total or more to earn induction. So that's why we always had 50. Some people said, oh, it should be like 40. And I'm like, no, because it's, we're democratic in this way. Like you have to have a majority agree that you are worthy to be inducted into our project. Not that I, me and Darren are like, you know, the, the gatekeepers by any means, but we just thought like that has to be fair. And then after the first 
10 years, starting with the class of 1996, we had what we wanted to do, and this was the important part, was the Veterans Committee, because artists who could not get in the regular way or the regular process, because they're competitive, like you guys can both test, they're very competitive ballots, like mm-hmm. at least at first, <laughs> um, they were they're extremely competitive to get induction. And yeah, then in the Veterans World, we had 10 nominees each round. Was it 10? Yes, it was 10. I it, it, I tried to think about it for some like wait a second is it ten yeah so it was like ten nominees and then what would happen was with the first one that we did whoever got usually it was always four because you had to vote for four that was the caveat like for the regular performance ballot you could choose up to fifteen but for the veterans you had to choose four we had them choose four mainly because we wanted to ensure as many people got in as possible, but also like Google Forms would not make me easily do a range from like one to four. So I was like, you know what? You guys vote for four. <laughs> like, like it just made it um, that much easier. And then what would happen on the veterans ballots is, so usually four to five people usually got in each veterans ballot, but whoever got the highest amount of votes that did not get induction automatically received the nomination on the next veterans ballot and then it continued so on and so forth and we did that because we had an odd number of people on the nominating committee and it was too late to kind of add someone like to it like without it being like weird like you know we're just gonna have some random artist that like has never been nominated or been talked about and then they just show up like i i, I don't want to like this any artist cq sorry yeah, or like Chumbawamba or like <laughs> just someone like random as hell where you're just like, oh, okay, like we got this. And then for, th- actually I should preface with the veterans because I didn't describe this well. So you f- to be eligible for the veterans committee ballot, you had to have been passed over your first 10 years of eligibility. Once you're past the 10 years of eligibility, you move to the veterans committee. And then it's up to the nominating people like myself to champion for some of these artists. So like, you know, one of the ones that I wanted in and he got in on the first try, cause I knew he would was like Herbie Hancock. It's like, yes, he just couldn't get enough votes. I'm, like I'm another one of my favorites who's still not in. Second week he's been mentioned on the hall of fame yeah, show. We love, we love Herbie Hancock. Oh, here. Herbie Hancock needs to get in yesterday to the yeah. rock hall. He is 100%. like the most obvious person and even when i did my rock hall prospects project there's like a top 100 rock hall snubs he was on the list and he still is and it's like herbie could get in like like i think he could get in the regular way but he musical influence uh, musical excellence early influence put him in um but we went up to the class of artists who were eligible to 2012 and you know here's the thing so a lot of people probably wondered who were participants we had like 170 180 voters we had actual, oh yeah and like we always had like at least 110 there's always like a range between 100 and 120 give or take but we had like 170 180 voters so we emailed the ballots to because the people we emailed because the email only ballot was that um they were like vetted right so it's like people we know from Twitter or friends or music podcast hosts or bloggers or writers or historians. First time I've ever been vetted. 
<laughs> you were vetted, my friend. And yeah, and then um, we actually have actual rock hall voters. I'm not gonna say who, but we actually had some rock actual rock hall voters. I'm pretty um, sure I know one of them, but anyway. <laughs> After the call, I will ask you who you think it is, and I'll tell you yes or no. Um, (laughs) But um, no, it was just really, really cool. And like, it was a fun project. Like, you know, we inducted, how many did we induct, Evan? You you Uh, had all these have Well, I have a spreadsheet here. She Uh, has a spreadsheet, this guy. Yeah, hold on. Oh, here, let me. He knew knew more about the like, who didn't get in what. And I was like, I, I'm so busy with other things. I like. I was like yeah. just so fortunate because I was like, oh my god, like I can't. Can, can, can you let me screen share, Kirk, for a second? I don't know how to do that. Just make me co-host. Yeah, you do this every week. You just. Set I know. Up your... I know. I know. I know. But um, yeah. So I I love spreadsheets a lot, um, and so actually, this is every single Friday when the uh, when the things would come out i would send them all up with the spreadsheet i would go through my process determining who i would vote for i put one marks next to who i voted for and then when it came out on monday i would uh do everything so here's here's the project okay let's see yeah, so he was a much better choice than me because usually i was drunk <laughs> so orange was elected yellow was elected eventually light blue was elected as a uh bc a- as yeah, basically, and Wynoni Harris pissed somebody off. Um, but, he just uh, didn't resonate with the voters. Like yeah. he, we put him up like ten times, something like that. Like yeah. I, he's important; he should be in. But like, yeah. So we went through. Let's see, we went through fifty-six weeks. So pay no attention to headings here. So Wynoni Harris, the, each one of these people had one less nomination than they have here. So if they got called up next time, I would just pull them over. And have the right number of nominations. So Wynoni Harris had nine, the December said eight. Death Cab for Cutie, Sia, and one of my personal favorites there, Spoon, all had six. So those are the ones who are closest without making it. So that's not, everybody. Not else. to be confused with uh, the Spoons from Burlington, Ontario. Correct. Thank you. <laughs> now, looking at your list, I'll tell you who I think was the most egregious act that did not. Oh get I, in i i have one that i think is insane but go ahead but who who do you think sean Combs. he got in i put him up did he, wait did he get in oh yeah i put him oh, up i'm sorry you're right, the last one. you're right he did he did he did it i was gonna say i was the proponent to get him. no i'm sorry you're right it was so close to the end i forgot um if you go, go back all the way to that i think if you scroll down about 10 that's your biggest snob can oh can yeah, love can. I I just think that if you have Kraftwerk, you have Tangerine Dream, and you have Gary Newman, uh, yeah, I just did not understand why can got canned, literally. I mean, it's just like that's one act that I did not understand that did not get in, and then I'm just looking really fast at other acts um but to me they were the most obvious ones that did not get in um and of course white zombie because we did an episode on rob zombie and uh he's important um but yeah yeah so you go all the way down we had 149 because there's one last 149 acts nominated who did not get in at one point how many total inductees did we have Uh, that that i don't know 
that I did not add up. I think it's in the 300 or that, I mean, that makes sense. I, I mean, I'm probably, it's probably like 400, but like, I, I would have to like look at that. Um, but you have the percentages too of who got the most. Yeah. yeah. So I have them in order of percentage for each one. So was there one that surprised you that got the most votes? Um, or that you were kind of like, like Busta, when Busta led his, but this was an the, this ballot was an interesting ballot. Yeah, when when Busta, Fatboy Slim, and Jewel, three people who have never been in an elevator together, um, <laughs> t- tied at fifty tied at fifty four. I guess Queens of Stone Age also, but like that was that was just an interesting ballot in general. But it was Busta's first time on. I know a lot He's, of people have been advocating for him. Yes, I did. <laughs> it just so, like it was his ninth year, so I kept trying to say like. He's got to get it all on. Like, he's like, like, he's too important. But yeah, I was surprised that they reacted so quickly to him. And also, Natalie Merchant got it, get in her 10th and final in that year, too, was very surprising because yeah. she has that, she's really excellent. And I love her from 10,000 Maniacs. But just some of the ones we got in, it's like, you know, I'm happy for all of them, but, you know, just sometimes the voters surprise yeah. you yeah i think uh, one of the i think one of the most Kevin how hard things... it is for him to write down the type in the word sticks oh god yeah he already knows i put that on the internet um <laughs> but uh oh i had to yeah, defend I, I sticks to... please like it was like <laughs> i think one of the most surprising things particularly with the way the rock hall is designed is how many women led our poll over and over and over again particularly towards the end so we had oh, lady man. gaga adele taylor swift rihanna um, Amy Winehouse, Beyonce. I mean, it was just, it were a lot of them. Well, this is also a lot. Okay. So something to keep in mind with our voters was that it was very progressive, like, right. right. And, and it was like a catch all sometimes. So even pink, like if you go to the next one, like she got the most votes of that year. I think she got like at the 68%. It was something yeah. like really high. And yeah. cause I think what's really excellent about our project is if you keep looking, like if you keep going to like before Eminem and Fiona Apple that year, like if like like if you go to where Missy Elliott is, this is what it's telling you where people are actually like these are the legit contenders who are gonna mm-hmm. get in. Like your Missy Elliott's, your Destiny's Child, anyone who gets more than personally, if I think you get more than sixty percent, you're gonna get in the Rock Hall at some point. Like you can't deny, like you know. Coldplay. I mean, the White Stripes actually almost set a record. They got 86%. Like, it's funny because I had a friend who was not really convinced that they would get in their first year when it happens. I'm like, of course they will. They would change the rules if they could induct Jack White (laughs) like yesterday. Like, come on. Jack Um, Jack White solo artist, Jack White with White Stripes, Jack White with Rick Rock and Tours. Just figure out a way to get Jack White in. He's going to be like Eric Clapton for sure. He's going to like, no, he's not. I'm joking. I'm joking. He's going to get in definitely twice for. He'll get in twice. Yeah. He'll be like Clyde McFadder. (laughs) Clyde McFadder, who got in three times in our project. Oh, right. Yeah. Because of, um, oh, the Dominoes. Yeah. Right. We're, we've come up with Eric Clapton as sort of like the get off our lawn club. <laughs> get off my lawn. He, he only got in three times, but to be fair, we also had like Clyde McFadder and I think Ronnie Del Dio. And we had other people that got in three times. I'm trying to think there's a few others. I know it's on my site somewhere. 
but uh, I'll, 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 add, I'll add it up for you and let you know how many people here. Uh, I'm genuinely it. curious, but it was a good experiment. I think the big takeaway of this, it was fun. It was, it was meant to be a fun project, but also it's one of those things where it's a good thing to pass time because everything that's crazy is going on in the world. And it's just something I hope people look forward to every Friday when we emailed the ballot. Yeah, we did. We talked about that a lot. Uh, I, I think what, what, one thing uh, that uh, Evan and I were, well, you more than me, myself, Evan, uh, we, we wondered, who are these Carpenters fans that we don't know? <laughs> I got emails about that, too, when they defeat, like, George Harrison. I forgot who it was, like, one voter. And I get emails from a lot of people, and I feel bad because I sometimes, like, I get to respond quickly, sometimes yeah. I don't. And, like... <laughs> One guy was just so hung up on like why like not George Harrison of like I don't know like I can't I can't explain some of these things. I'm not I'm, I'm one voter. I'm only one voter myself. That's actually important to keep yeah. in mind. Like Darren and I, we co-ran this project. We only got one vote. Oh, and Evan and I know all about that. Yeah, and we would get like, what is going on? And it's like, I I, I can't. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I try to just go with who I think is the most qualified. And that's it. And in our project, I think you guys can attest this, like almost most people got in. I mean, there were 150 hours that didn't, but you had a really good chance of getting in at some point. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if I think I went through this, if um, Wynoni Harris uh, and Nancy Sinatra had won, she was on the ballot once and she'd been elected and Wynoni Harris been elected. Like I, one of the things I love is closing out classes, our nominee classes, and right. there are a whole bunch of them that were like one away, and it was either Wynonie Harris or, or um, the one Nancy Sinatra. There's one other too. I can't remember who it was, uh, who of that one closed. Uh, it was Fanny. I remember closing. That was actually a band I didn't know very much about until your project. Well, that was the thing that I did too because a lot I would get emails like at the beginning, especially when it was the '50s era that who is uh insert any 50s artists like who who are the dominoes or who are uh you know who's who's uh wanda jackson and i would make the playlist and i right. and i tell you that was really helpful i think for a lot of voters because yes. you would hear one song at a 50 or 40 or whatever and then you would sort of then if you were interested you take a deep dive into whichever artist and I and I and I always got emails about that too sometimes because I always try to pick a different song for every week. So someone that was a Moody Blues fanatic was like, why are you picking this song? I'm like, I can't do Nights White's End. That was like the first one. Like you got to do different songs. Like I would get tired of hearing it every week if I listen to it. And I have to say that was amazing. Uh just hearing it sometimes like, oh okay. Or and even if there wasn't someone you knew, you're like, I can see how this fits in the development of rock and roll. Like you hear them a couple of right. times, like, all right, I get this now. Uh, Cause it's impossible for right. everybody to know everybody. It's just impossible. Oh, even, uh, even the people who ran it, like me and Darren, we would still have to listen to some of these artists. Like even like, or say like, what song did they have or an album or you have to kind of have those like light bulb moments where you're like, oh, right. And then like, and it's not like we're like not knowledgeable. We just like, we're human. We can't right. listen to everything. 100%. Like Wynoni Harris, like the reason why he didn't get in is simply because he's just not well known. And I think like 
he never finished, I think, above 35% on any. I, I'd have to look. I tried. I tried. I voted for him every time. Yeah, he uh, he just could not resonate with the voters, but yeah. it's, you know. Well, okay, so so f- from a personal standpoint, what was the person or act, rather, that you were most surprised with, okay, they're in, and who <sighs> one that you said, like, I can't believe they don't see what I see? Well, Where's Ken... Can can was the one that I kept. Can, yeah. Okay. Sorry. sorry about that. And then I would have to like look at who was previously nominated, but I'm trying to think of. Actually, why am I doing that? I should just look at my website. <laughs> that tells me exactly. Okay, while you're doing that, promote your website again because, like, Evan Audio Visual Repository is the uh, yeah. website. Um, I think anything after, no offense, like the current crop, like 2023 on, mm-hmm. it gets weird really fast. Like it some does. of the acts, like, and I'm not going to say to one in particular because I don't want to people's like favorite favorite artists. But there's some where you're well, kind of just. Evan like, and I are happy to like rip on the Carpenters because we don't get it. Oh, well, I love. Hold on, you don't like the beautiful melodies of Karen right. Carpenter? Like, no. what? Okay, I, this, I, I, this conversation I'm, I'm just gonna, begun gonna because we're going to totally school you on the brilliance of the Carpenters. They're great. Like, the first time I've been schooled today, but all right. <laughs> but literally, like, uh, Marge and Homer got, like, their courtship is, be- and that song plays. Like, you know, come on. Like, I got to wear my hair up. Okay, yes. But but I think the Carpers are really important because she's they they kind of introduced the power ballot like because they were in my top one hundred rock call prospects. Project. Whoa, they were they like introduced the power ballad. I think they're one of the, the 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 earliest people to have power ballots be or ballots, but I'm gonna say ballots more broadly. Okay, in that sense, that kind of dominated adult contemporary and pop music in the '80s and '90s. Okay. And I think also she's a great, they're great musicians and I think their studio work is really great. And I don't know, I just like, they, they, they're, they okay. So they're a perfect example of a band that critics despised during their prime in the seventies because they're just the they're antithesis of cool and rock and roll. But mm-hmm. when you think about it though, they really were so unhip, but they also wrote these beautiful songs and their songs still stay on the test of time like you could hear those in commercials and in movies and they still mean something and Karen Carpenter is like even like a queer icon like you know because they had that uh Todd Haynes movie um have you guys ever seen the Karen Carpenter story I used to teach just a documentary so I was a film studies professor in my my previous lifetime Mm -hmm. I taught documentaries uh as a class and there's a movie that um he made Todd Haynes. It was um, Far From Heaven, and he's a really famous filmmaker, like Carol and Velvet Goldmine, and all those sorts of movies. He had a his uh, UCLA uh, thesis project in like the mid '80s was the Karen Carpenter story. And what he did was he used Barbie dolls as the actors with voiceovers. It is like avant-garde experimental, and it's, it was really famous though because. Uh, the brother sued Todd Haynes because they used actual Carpenter songs and the likeliness didn't get like 
the intellectual property right so the only so they went to court and then they couldn't show the movie do you guys know we're the only place that has a the original copy of uh that movie no where's yeah. moma no? moma okay. the museum of modern art because like you know it's it's someone who became a very famous filmmaker later on um but yeah i mean the carpenters are just great i guess i mean i'm not like gonna like die on the hill that's the carpenters per se right. but right. i just yeah. feel that um they're good another one that i'll throw out there that i wish i would have threw in for veterans probably was sylvester mm. like he has one song yeah. or two songs but he's so revolutionary ahead of his well, time you want to talk about queer icon hmm? you know you, you were mentioning like uh, uh carpenters as queer icons i mean sylvester like holy crap in terms yeah. of uh, I mean, if Donna Summer's the queen of disco, he's like the runner up. Like he, he really is. And he even said that himself. And, and he is so transgressive and so revolutionary and so important. And I don't know, I've always been a huge um, uh, admirer of his work. And he's it's such a tragic figure in terms of like, because he, he, of course, uh, died of AIDS in the late 80s. And he's just a really... Um, a really fascinating figure the more i looked at it oh and one more i'm sorry i'm gonna give you one more johnny rivers was one i put up and he tanked and i never put him up again but i'm just always i thought he would do way better another i actually expected to do a little bit better um by the way the third the third artist that got in would have finished was would have been ringo star who only was nominated the one time oh my mind um, uh, which is kind of it's actually fact that not all the Beatles got into solo artists makes me feel better about the, the project really. Um, <laughs> but, he was ever veterans put up. I think that's the thing too. Like the yeah. whatever after that said, oh, we have to put Ringo on a veterans belt. But I was a little surprised with how many times they've been on the radar that Joe Tex wasn't somebody who got in eventually uh, with the way things got went from the beginning. Oh, he got in veterans. Did he? Oh yeah, he got Did like two thousand seven. Oh yeah, he. I got you because he got in. Oh I my God, you're right. I screwed up. 2007. I screwed up. Hold on. Oh yeah, because our friend ah. Tom Lane really loves Joe Tex as much as I do, and I adore Joe Tex. I somehow I somehow didn't update it on my thing. Never mind. The Rock Hall itself <laughs> forgot who Joe Tex was because they haven't nominated him in like five or six years. Yeah. He should absolutely be in. I mean, right. if James Brown considers you like his biggest rival, and like <laughs> you know, you should at least be something I'd consider because James Brown is like everything too. So, well, good thing I have Nick here to fix my uh, fix my spreadsheet. So, well, well, I, I got to go through and make sure I got it right before I give you all the numbers. So, no, 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 it's all it's all good. Uh, um, I, I I will say this, and I did say it on the internet, but I want to get in a fight with anybody. Why? What differentiates Fountains of Wayne from, say, Semisonic? Nothing. Okay. Sorry. No, I think there absolutely is, though, because Fountains of Wayne, like, especially those earliest records, like that they started in the late '90s, they're like re- revivalists of the power pop era, right? Like the power pop sound that Adam Selinger had. Um, worked with and of course he did um that thing you do and he was oscar nominated but um they're just a really underrated band like you know at this level for the rock hall i'm not quite a hundred percent sure because there was a one particular nominating committee person that was like a 
diehard mm-hmm. uh Valens Wayne fan. Like I like them like fine. I'm not like gonna go die in the hill. I would like say the Pointer Sisters or like or like the B-52s or Gloria Estefan or X or someone like that where I'm like all in, like like put all my all the ships in. But I think that they're important. I think semi-sonic, I can only think of closing time. I think that's the only Yeah, well, I mean that that is part of the thing. I guess maybe it's the same thing because I've loved semi-sonic for years, but even before closing time. And they actually did have a song that I believe hit the top 40, which took them out of being a one-hit wonder back in 20, end of 2019, early 2020. Uh, but I'd like, again, as someone who may not have been as into it, and I, I'm jokingly, I know who the, the nominating committee member was because he was so adamant about it. I didn't want to fight him on Twitter. There's no, there's no, there's no upside. No, we would get that sometimes. And it's like, it's so subjective when it gets to veterans because like right. the way I always approach it, I'll actually tell you guys this and I, I don't care because I'm, this is the way I approach the veterans. It was never usually people that were personal favorites. Like so a lot of times it would be people that would put them up would be like, these are their favorite artists or the ones that they really admire. I never approached it that way. I approached it from the perspective, can they hit 50% votes? Can you get at least 50 votes? And that's why 95% of my artists always got it because I know who the voters are. Like I know like who's a band I put up that I was like, they're going to get in like the cult or, um, Oh, who's that other band? Um, well, I put up boogie down productions, but like, there's just certain ones where it's like, can you hit 50 votes? If you can't, I'm not even going to bother with you. So it was strategy, but I also admire these artists, but mm-hmm. you also kind of have to know your audience a little. Um, but I, now it makes me wonder if we put some Sonic close in time would have put them over the edge yeah i just want to point out i don't think there will ever be another time where semi-sonic and x are ever mentioned in the same paragraph again (laughs) but that's just me uh nick uh can you stick around for a bit because like we're just going to do uh well our usual shit sure yeah all right are you sure Sure. What are you guys going to talk about? Well, I mean, like, uh, well, this is where Evan and I do our usual section, and we kick off with Kirk Smorgasbord of shit. Where (laughs) Nick Nick is Nick is very nervous now. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious what the Smorgasbord of shit. I I am curious what the Smorgasbord is. Like, is it Gigi Allen related? Because then you got all my attention. No. Uh, no, it was basically, this is probably going to be more sports related at this point, where the smorgasbord is where I just say whatever the fuck is on my mind that might be sports related or music related or whatever the hell's related. That's usually how we kick off the Hall of Fame show. And uh, uh, I here, here here's my, my, my question. Am I being punked by the WNBA? I don't know. Okay. So like on, uh, if you do a Google search and, and whatnot, or just like anything, and I, I own a website, a, a fairly successful website, can't live off it because it's why I had to take another job. But anyway, uh, not that I'm bitter. But so just putting per, per like predictive stuff in, in perspective, there is a new film coming out that I really want to see called, uh, Oh, crap, what's it called? Uh, it's the new Michelle Yeoh film. 
Oh, everywhere all at once. Yeah, that's the one. And so I see this on YouTube. It's like the the uh, the trailer. It's like, shit. I want to know more about this. So I type in E V E R, and then all of a sudden, this all comes up. Like, holy crap! Clearly, we know everything, right? Because what we're doing. Well, I now live in Winnipeg. I don't exactly talk very highly about the WNBA, but every YouTube video has an ad that wants me to buy season tickets to the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA. I don't live in Las Vegas. I don't like the WNBA. Maybe they're trying to plan their next trip. (laughs) (laughs) Or something. It's just like, but every other ad I get is Winnipeg based because I'm in Winnipeg. The Winni- are- Winnipeg is the Las Vegas of camp. Said no one ever. I think I think this I think the universe is telling you you really have to go to Las Vegas, gamble for like a day, and then go see the WNBA. There you go. Well, I'm I'm down with you on the first two things. Go, you should go. I really it's, think you should. I think you should too. Yeah. <laughs> Those girls, they work hard, they play hard, and they damn deserve our attention. Again, two out of three ain't bad. Did Meatloaf get in? I don't remember. He did. <laughs> okay. Well, meat, well, Meatloaf, I don't know, because, you know. But anyway, <laughs> no, <laughs> I wanted to make a joke, but I'm not going to say. No, it's a smorgasbord. I mean, you, you just don't know what I'm going to say, which right. is just kind of how I like. And now I'm going to I'm gonna come off. My second part is I'm going to come off like a real misogynist asshole. Oh, and please I don't. don't please do. don't. Let's, let, let's, 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 let's scare away our guest here. That's okay. I can handle. Like, what, what are you going to say? All right. Do either of you know who Leah Hextall is? It related to Ron? Apparently, yes. A cousin. Huh. I didn't know who this was. Now, I'm a big hockey guy. Canadian, of course, I'm supposed to be. And a couple times over Twitter, she's trending. I'm like, who the fuck is this? And she's, a, she's the first female lead commentator on ESPN. For hockey like all right this is good now evan and i talk often about how we think it's pretty cool when fringe groups get a shot at something right yeah i mean yeah go ahead keep going yeah i mean like one of our fi- we went on and on about doris burke i don't know how many times she's amazing because she is because she is and so leah hexel's trending and then I, I i each time i check it's like Holy crap, everyone hates her on Twitter. Because, well, she, well, like, she can't be this bad. Yes, she is. She's terrible. She's absolutely horrible at this. And I want there to be a great female hockey announcer. And in Canada, we've got one in Cassie Campbell. She's she's pretty good. And now that I'm living back in Canada, I, I like, because she's apparently... Uh, Lee is covering the LA Kings uh, Edmonton series for ESPN. Uh, I'm watching it all on CBC here. Doris Burke worked her way from mid-level college to call it like to just becoming great. Leah came out of nowhere from a hockey family and she stinks. Her voice goes up and down and she doesn't know what she's doing. I've never seen so much hate for anybody. And a lot of it's not necessarily misogynistic. It's just like, you suck. They're right, she sucks. 
That's my ring. I got nothing else. All right. I told it's you. It's a hard. It's a hard job to be an announcer. So damn right it is. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it better than her. I'll say so, that up front. I could so not do it better. I, I follow WWE very closely, and I'll oh, just say like, now. I love that. So yes, that, that's a whole like could be like a a ten hour conversation on that. Uh, that just, surprises Nick, people. Just, just interject. Uh, one of my friends from high school actually is Kofi Kingston. So he and I went to high school together. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, and we, he we, could do all we sorts were in of marching things. band together. How's that? He played saxophone. And he's a former like, WWE champion. He is. We were very excited about that. And he won at WrestleMania a few years ago. But if you think about it, the announcers have the hardest job ever. No, I'm being serious because like they're talking, yeah, like if you have your, your thing on, you're trying to say something, and then you have two producers on both ends talking to you. It's hard. Like I, so I, I I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm just saying she's not prepped for this. She's not ready. She's not ready. She has been she's been rushed through the ranks she hasn't done the due diligence and i get trying to get all woke and shit but this isn't this is not going to help the women behind her because she's just not good i think maybe she'll become better later on and she'll you know because sometimes you do make mistakes especially if you're new to a profession like that and hopefully you know, they she improves. Do, yeah, sure. And the, but they didn't do her any favors. Fair enough. And, and and I think that's sort of like a big thing with that. And I, and I again, I I know how that sort of sounds when when I'm sort of ripping on a female announcer because I there's a, so many announcers that I love who are female. Uh, again, like Doris Burke. Doris. It's not just Doris Burke because she's just she's so good. Like like you and I, Evan. We talked about like how she made the most comprehensive case of why marcus smart should be win the defensive player of the year mm-hmm. it's really and good twitter just said bravo bravo and let's just be blunt basketball twitter is way more misogynistic than hockey twitter i think all of twitter is pretty misogynistic. <laughs> yes like, terrible. I think like i don't even like i'm trying to think of any sector of twitter that is not toxic or terrible <laughs> okay well not toxic sure but i mean like misogyny yeah, but i mean like I, I think there's something to that. It's just, I, I can think of the other thing too. Tom Brady just got announced for what was it a four, near $400 million deal for an announce announcing gig after he leaves NFL. What if he sucks? But he didn't get that for the announcing gig. What did he get that for? He's announcer and brand ambassador. Yes. Okay. And that is like, actually what he's being well, paid for. In fact, it wasn't announced by Fox sports head. It was actually announced by a member of the Erndock family himself. Mm. This is a personal services contract to I miss that. Okay. The Fox to the Fox brand. He's gonna go play golf with a whole bunch of CEOs a certain number of times a year. He'll be on the show with number one guy um, for at least to start. I have no idea if he's gonna be any good. Um, but yeah, that, that's more break. because because the top person, well, yeah, the top person right now for pay is tony romo right he's making 18 19 million dollars a year or something like that i don't know what he's getting paid i know he's i, 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 I think it's 18 or 19 and brady's practically doubling that okay so yeah i, I think i think that's more it than anything so well that ends my smorgasbord oh good uh hey, we got other we got other <laughs> i always i always worry a little bit nick every single week where we're going with this so <laughs> I was like, no, I think Tom Brady, just go on Tom Brady for a minute. I think 
you got to give him a chance to see. He might be really good. He might not. Right? As a, who knows? But I think it's more because of like his name, like his star persona, and like right. his like like he he's just he's gonna draw viewers because he's Tom Brady. Right. You know, they've said that about a lot of others. Like Dan Marino does not make anyone watch that show, that pre-show anymore. But Tom Brady has how many Super Bowl wins? <laughs> That's also true. And he's yes. also like probably the greatest quarterback. And you ever say you're had. not a sports guy. Look at you. Oh, I, I follow sports. I follow baseball more closely and probably hockey to an extent. But like football is not my bag, but like something that I well, well, the next part's going to be more depressing because this is where Evan tells us he died. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it, this this is, uh, we just go through the people who, for various halls, uh, who we've considered and things like that are important people who passed away. We, I just, I like going through it. We, we do a lot of sidemen and uh, things like that on a given basis. Uh, we also do, we have a fictional character uh, not called we who I noticed when I started this three years ago that for some reason we had a whole bunch of Hungarian athletes dying like in bunches like ridiculous numbers so we came up with a fictional character the uh, the beige mistress because Black Widow seemed too you know seemed too on the uh, too important for this Hungarian athletes uh, and the beige mistress has been quiet for a while but back this week uh, Gaza Verazzi yeah uh, who won the bronze medal in the four by 100 meters in the 1952 Helsinki Olympics and the one the gold in the four by 100 in the 1954 Bern European championship passed away at the age of 94. Mm. So that may, that, that just seems may, maybe she's still on vacation, but you know, we had one. So. 94 possible. Yeah. Um, from the world of um, the special Olympics, actually uh, Dennis Dubrov, who is, one of the greatest Paralympians swimmers of all time uh, passed away at the age of 33. Um, he was named an honored master of sport in Ukraine in 2020. I don't, didn't see what he passed away of, but he's the gold medal winner uh, three times in uh, Rio de Janeiro on the hundred meter butterfly, 200 meter butterfly and four by 100 meters and the 200 meter medley in Tokyo in 2020. It was only 33 when he passed. I have no idea if it has anything to do with the war. I just saw that he passed away. Yeah. Um, sorry. No, I just said Yeah. Uh, from the world of uh, college basketball, one of the most successful NI, uh, what is it? NAIA coaches of all time, Larry Holly, uh, passed away at the age of 76. He's a member of the Greater Kansas City Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame, Missouri Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame, and NAIA. Uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, career 919 wins between Central Methodist, Northwest Missouri State, and William Jewell. He retired in 2019, uh, passed at the way of 76. I coach just like Larry Holly. Sorry. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, from the world of fishing, we don't talk about that very much, uh, but Ray, uh, Ray Scott, who actually founded the uh, Bass Anglers Sportsman Society, or bass, which is the main uh, the main impetus behind competitive bass fishing, uh, passed away uh, at the age of eighty nine uh, on natural causes. So he is uh, one of the big people in the history of bass fishing in the United States. 
So these are the type of people we bring up here, Nick. So, well, you're not off the hook. Oh, oh we love we puns here. We do. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm full of them. So, um, we have a couple character actors who passed away this week. I always like going through those folks. Uh, Jack Keeler died, best known as Marty, the landlord for the Big Lebowski. Oh. Uh, passed away at the age of 75. Also, was a Men in Black, Last Boy Scout, Point Break, Waterworld, Wider, uh, a few others like that. Um, actually, all the Kevin Costner movies. No, I'm joking. Yeah, well, he's also the man of the High Castle as well. So, oh. yeah, but he uh, he was 75. Oh. Um, also, uh, Wyndham Earl from Twin Peaks. Remember Twin Peaks? Right. Yes. Uh, Kenneth Welsh passed away at the age of 80. Um, Twin Peaks, for those of you guys under the age of 40, uh, was maybe the weirdest show that was super popular on television. How that got how that got on ABC, I'll never know. They it, like that meeting. I, I still want to know how that meeting went down. <laughs> that, that like they approved it. They just saw David Lynch, like, okay, go make a show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Godspeed, Windemarl, or actually Kenneth Welsh is actually name. I'm still gonna think of it as Windemarl. From the world of, uh, oh, of course, I'm sorry, actually, uh, I forgot Fred Ward passed away as well. Yeah. Yeah. That got announced today. He actually passed away last week. Uh, but of course, probably, I think of him first from Tremors, of course, because uh, oh, I've seen yeah. that movie 400 times. Uh, but he's been escaped from Alcatraz, uh, Swing Shift. Uh, I mean, just a ton of, or there's another one. I can't think the of right the right stuff. stuff. Yeah, with yeah. Gus Grissom. For me, it's uh, Remo Williams. And, and not because it was a great film, just because that was the first film my brother took me to. Oh, interesting. Like in the theater, so like... Uh, you, you don't think of him from Corky Romano or Joe Dirt or Summer Catch? Three movies he did back to back to back? Well, no, no, and no. But I do also... He's also in one of my favorite Vietnam War films, Uncommon Valor. That's a very good movie, too. Yeah. So, but just one of those character actors who you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's a movie Fred Ward was in that he made worse. He made everything better. I agree. So, yeah. I think, it, I think my, if, if my wife was here, she would sort of like... Uh, she would know him from uh, crap. What's that stupid chick flick with, with Reese Witherspoon? Legally Blonde. Another another chick one that was stupid. Uh, Sweet oh. Alabama. Uh, that's a great movie. That's what a great are you movie. talking about? You brought a baby, and it's and, and, and has a Leonard Skinner like homage so- song title for the Macan. I stand by what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. He's um, got an Oscar. <laughs> I do not have it. Oh, wait a minute. We're not talking about Fred Ward. Sorry. Oh, here's uh, a useless thing about Oscars. Uh, with that whole Remo Williams. Here's something that doesn't age well. From that movie, that was nominated for an Oscar for Best Makeup. When Joel Grey played a Chinese character. What movie was that? Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. I am not familiar with that movie, but I'm genuinely curious. Uh, just look up. It's one of those things that just doesn't age well because they need. They wanted to have up. His mentor was sort of like the Mr. Miyagi figure. Oh, like the Karate Kid? Yeah, only so they hired Joel Gray. Well, but Cabaret no. 2 wasn't in the works, so I mean, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Well, I mean, yeah, he was available, I'm sure, but I'm sure so were some other 
older Asian actors who could have probably did that. What, what do I Peter, know? Was Peter Sellers still alive? Because that seemed to be something he did a lot of as well. He was not. There you go. So yeah, Peter oh, Sellers well, died in eighty. Yeah. Yeah, so. c- c- come here for the Hall of Fame news, and then stay for three white guys talking about stuff that maybe we shouldn't. But anyway, anyway. Um, last one from movies. Uh, John R. Cherry, the film director and screenwriter, most famous for creating the, the uh, Jim Varney's character Ernest. Oh, uh, passed away at the age of seventy-three. Um, from American football, uh, as opposed to soccer, uh, Bill Lasky. Passed away, a two-time AFL champion with the Bills in 65 and Raiders in 67. Went to the 65 Pro Bowl. Um, uh, went to the University of Michigan. Uh, played linebacker for the Bills, Raiders, Colts, and Broncos from 65 to 74. Uh, passed away at the age of 79. Uh, from the world of music, we have one more from sports. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, or from football, I mean. Uh, from the world of music, the first lady of death row records, Jewel Cables, just usually known as Jewel with two L's, uh, passed away at the age of 53. Never um, confused with Jewel with one L? Correct. They are, they are very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, she basically, she only had released two albums of her own, one which she released back in October. She's given six months to live back in October and hurried to release her last, wow. her last album. Uh, she's, only, she's only 53 when she passed. But I mean, she was on a lot of stuff. Both Thugs and Harmony, Dr. Dre, Snoop, uh, uh, Prodigy. Uh, there's just a ton of fake people who she really like Tupac, Red Man, uh, Easy E. Like just all, she featured on a lot of stuff. Oh, she was on The Chronic. Correct. Yes. Wasn't she on like Let Me Ride or one of those songs? Like it's one of the singles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she was on. Uh, she was on The Chronic. Uh, let's see, which one is it? She was on... Let me try to get the actual one. Uh, Jewel was on... I just remember that because that was an album of the day pick earlier this year, and I just remember seeing that name. She, she was on Let Me Ride. That's the song. Okay, yes. Because that, that's the one I... Jewel was actually on... Was. She's actually on uh, Five five tracks on that on uh, chronic so she's on uh bitches ain't shit the roach the doctor's office let me ride and fuck with dre day and everybody's celebrating with d-o-double-g snoop dog yep and colin wolf was who's he's the the writer on that one so snoop apparently wants to buy twitter I saw that (laughs) so I had a doctor's appointment that I saw that afterwards and I was like I, I was very, uh, I, I don't know what to think of it. Well, he's not going to bite Twitter. I mean, he doesn't have, no. he's, he's, he's richer than us, but he doesn't have Elon money, but all right, still. Well, yeah. I don't know. You know, he, he'll do a commercial for anything. I've joked that if, if Tampax says do a commercial, he'll say, okay. So would he drop it like it's hot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm know. Sorry, know there's a joke in my head that I'm going to apologize for ahead of time. Hey, Snoop, how did you get the Tampax job? I pulled some strings. Sorry. That was, a, that was a Damn good it. one. Every Thank you. You know, time we do something, like I, I come up with some lame joke. You set the bar so high I can never break it. 
I, I feel dirty about it, though. Anyway, so let's, speaking of that, uh, let's get back to people who passed away. Uh, for the world of country music, Mickey Gilly passed away. Not to say that music is incestuous, but Mickey Gilly was a cousin of Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl McAvoy, and Jimmy Swaggart all at the same time. Um, but he passed away at the age of 86, best known for Room Full of Roses, uh, his remake, the country remake of Stand By Me, and Don't, all, don't the Girls All Get Prettier at Closing Time, uh, which all is true. number one. So on the country charts um that's the way he he was a pretty big star at one point in the country thing didn't he have his own like country like country bar series and shit like that that i don't know if i remember correctly on an episode of fantasy island <laughs> he guessed hard and said like you know i think i think i want to with this character saying like i my my fantasy is to have my own country bar and it was also named gillies Okay, it was, the, it was the most creative. No, it's really not interesting. It's just not creative. I didn't sit. Well, well uh, the fact that you remember anything about Fantasy Island is not at all dating you. Um, <laughs> so we have two more people. I hate well, you. Uh, two more people, one of whom um, for, for our project next week. Uh, so next week, we're going to be getting together as much as possible because I'm going to be traveling to Houston next week. Uh, but we're going to be getting together talking about seniors for the. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, since they're expanding the list out to three. Um, and we each get one person we kind of pound the table for. My pound the table person, unfortunately, just passed away this week. Uh, Gino Capaletti uh, from the New England Patriots. Uh, AFL MVP in 1964. Uh, AFL Player of the Year for the UPI in 64. Five-time All-Star. Four-time second team All-AFL. Five-time scoring leader. A member of the Patriots Hall of Fame and his his uh, his Patriots number twenty is retired. He actually uh, he holds the record. Here's here's a good trivia for you for you, uh, Kirk. He holds the record tied for most times leading the league in points with what other two people? So five times leading the league in the NFL, or because the AFL stats now count as AF, NFL stats. Okay, so five times leading the league in points. Uh, I'll go with George Blanda because it just seems that to. Is, know. Not correct. No. It's correct. a much more recent kicker and one of the greatest football players of all time. Was not Terry? Uh, his successor. Oh, crap. Uh, I'm blanking on. I'll just give it Steven Gostkowski. Thank you. And the other one is Don Hudson. Oh, I never would have got that. And H- Hudson, oh. which makes total sense. Yeah, but Capaletti is one of my guys. He's both a wide receiver and a kicker um, and played both uh, very, very well. So uh-huh. Capaletti would have been my guy to pound the table with because someone's got to stand up for the Patriots, you know, with these things. So uh, actually in this, well, I'm trying to get Dan in. So like I haven't heard, heard back from him. So you have to work on him. But anyway, Capaletti was also um, the color commentator along with Gil Santos for those early, for the early Patriots dynasty, the late great Gil Santos. Mm-hmm. So most of the great Patriots calls from, you know, my 20s when things started getting great for the Patriots, it's Capaletti and Santos. So absolute legend in New England and uh, passed away at the age of 89. Or as my wife likes to say in your 20s, isn't that current? That's why you like her. Yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. And finally, NBA Hall of Famer Bob Lanier uh, passed yeah. away at the age of 73. 
College Basketball Hall of Famer, Pro Football, Pro Football, Pro Basketball, uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, number one draft pick. I was, I, I was reading a lot about him the other day. I did not realize how good he could have been had his knee not blown. Yeah. Like, like, like before he even joined. I, I did not even know that. Yeah. Uh, he was, I mean, he led St. Bonaventure to the final four. Um, his numbers retired by St. Bonaventure. His numbers retired by the two teams he played for in the NBA, both the Bucks and Pistons. And the Pistons yeah. Retired his number. Eight-time All-Star, All-Star Game MVP for what that means in 1974. Something. Kind of, in many ways, still kind of the forgotten great center of the 70s when you think about this. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you because, like, the Pistons were not great. Uh, when he – it's – do we really say that he led Milwaukee to two Eastern Conference Finals? Like, eh, he was the veteran at that point. Right. But, you know, like still, you know, like really, really good player. I didn't even know that St. Bonaventure went to a Final Four until this. Yeah. Because I do not think of them as a, as a college powerhouse. Or college. The 70s, 70s were a different time, my friend. This is so. true. This is true. But also, by all accounts, one of the finest gentlemen ever to play in the NBA, served as a ambassador for the NBA around the world for years, won the Walter Kennedy Citizenship Award in 78, um, just one of the absolute gentlemen uh, in the history of the game, played 14 seasons, and Hall of Famer multiple times over. So, Godspeed, Bob Lanier. All right. So, the next section, we have two more sections here, Nick, so. Uh, I, I, I'm happy you're sti- you're sticking along with us. We must. Yes. Evan and I are really entertaining. We try. You uh, guys are succeeding. <laughs> yeah, well, the first time for everything. Uh, so the next section, I got one more section, and then Evan closes because he's the hammer. Uh, I talk about what's called elevator up, elevator down, and uh, or so Nick, you haven't you haven't heard this. So this is the what, how I how I view this. You ever see the movie Friday? Oh, yes. I just saw for the first time last month. Okay. So Debo, played by the, the late, great Tiny Lister, he is the guy right. who's, uh, who's at the top of that elevator. And once you get to the elevator, he's going to say whether you get to go into the big club as a Hall of Famer. So this is elevator up, elevator down. And we look at who do I think over the last week has made in a Hall of Fame case for the elevator up or elevator down. And elevator up is a pretty quick one, and it's not really much of one, only because I don't think this person's a Hall of Famer yet, but it does mean something. Uh, the, heart, the National Hockey League or the, or has announced their finalists for the major awards, and Igor Shesterkin of uh, the New York Rangers is a finalist for the heart. He's going to win the Vesna because you don't get nominated for the heart and not win the Vezina if you're a goalie. Uh, he's only played a little over 100 games, but it's still something that means something. I'm not going to say that Igor is a Hall of Famer right now, because obviously he's not, but this means a lot. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. winning the Vezina and even being one of the nominees for the as a goalie for the MVP is a pretty freaking big deal. Right. So he's going to win the Vezina. So like that, that's pretty much a lock at this point. Uh, if I want to sort of like say this, I mean, I already think he's a Hall of Famer now. Uh, it, the NBA MVP has gone to Jokic again. Yeah. 
who is you don't win that twice and not become the MVP. Also, he won the Naughton Hall of Fame Cup. That's true. Twice. Uh, so, Nick, what that is, is I look at every goddamn game because clearly I have no life. Uh, this is my my Excel spreadsheet where I look at every game and I rank every player, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and I give them ranks. Jokic has now won this twice in a row. The big cup, it's actually in this big giant vault that I brought in from Barbados to Winnipeg. Do you believe any of this? No. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can't import anything from Barbados to Canada. So Yes, you can. Because <laughs> I... Takes a while, but it's possible. Try moving a corgi. It's a lot yes. harder. So there's that. Also, uh, next week, we're going to be announcing the Naughton Hall of Fame hockey winners. Cool. Isn't the Country Music Hall of Fame going to announce their inductees? Next? I think I think so next week. It's pretty soon, yeah. The country? Because Well, no, they just had that. No, so, so they, they, that they announced their inductees like... It's, so it's almost like the Rock Hall, but worse in the sense like it's almost like a year from the time that they're going to in, induct the people. Well, since, since we're here. Uh, that, that's my ugly. Let's get to that later. Oh, oh is it? Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause that, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't know that. All right. So we'll move on. So I've got two things for elevator down and these are two people who are going to be in the basketball hall of fame anyway, but I think there's a bit of a pause. And I, I, Evan, I think you already know where I'm going with this. Uh, they're both in Philadelphia. I think one deserves and one doesn't, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was wrong a few weeks ago, uh, and I could tell that you thought I was wrong, but you didn't say it based on the facials you gave me, on James Harden. I was kind of impressed, obviously wrong, that he was realized, or at least I thought maybe realizing what he was, which is not the top guy anymore. Well, he needed to be. He doesn't know how to anymore. Right. And... Once again, James Harden go has finishes another year without an, without a title. He's going to go into the basketball hall of fame because the bar for that for that hall is a little bit lower than most. We know this, and he has an MVP. And the only person who may be on the outside who's ever won an MVP is Derrick Rose, as far as we can tell. Right, and he's got a way better career than Derrick Rose. Correct. So, but Harden, I, again, I would vote for him if I was in that group or. But man, he makes it yeah. harder. If you're using Bill Simmons' pyramid for mm-hmm. this, Harden has Harden was probably a low three on the pyramid, maybe a high two. He's fallen into low two, high one at this point. I think with the way he's going, I'd agree. I'd agree. Now he's still gonna again. He's still gonna get in, and yeah, okay. So I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong. It doesn't happen too often. Well, well, let me let me let me bring this up because I said this to you earlier. And maybe Nick, do you oh, have a basketball? No, that's like the sport I know. Like okay, least so we'll we'll get through this quickly then. Uh, so there was a poll. Now this was done by Rich Keith, who is a reporter for WEEI, which is the uh, radio station in Boston, uh, who does. Uh, they, they have the Red Sox games, a couple other things. And he put up a poll, which of these guys would you most want on your team? James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and Russell Westbrook, who are four of the most polarizing players in the NBA. I don't and, even know. Uh, I, the person who I voted for after I looked at us, like, oh, my God, I have to vote for Westbrook. And Westbrook got 40% of the vote out of those four, which was amazing to me. I, I mean, I, Harden was third behind Kyrie. 
And how much do people in Boston hate Kyrie? Oh, so it's a Boston-based thing. See, I'd vote for Kyrie, but... The, I, live the Kyrie, I live the Kyrie experience. No, I, I, I know you did, but Russell isn't the same guy, obviously. No. I don't want any of these guys. Oh, nobody does. But the point is, you had to vote for someone. Well, I guess you could not vote, but it's like, it's like Nick's senior cat last. You have to vote for at least one, right? So, Sometimes that was hard, Nick, I'll tell you. But voting for four? Yeah, yeah, like there are a couple, there are definitely sometimes in that veterans category, I'll, I'll admit, it's like, I can't vote for four of these? Yeah. So, all right, who, who's your other elevator down? Doc Rivers. Yeah. Okay. I, and Doc Rivers is going to get, again, he's, he's a basketball Hall of Famer as a coach. We all know this, uh, and he should be. Saying that, here he is again with a talented, loaded team failing to get into the conference finals. And it's happened again. He is one of the NBA's 15 greatest coaches of all time. And I agree with that. But, you know, at some point, when do we not say that maybe there's something on him? He had some talent in the, with the Clippers, got nowhere. He's got bigger talent here in the Sixers, has gotten nowhere. Yeah. And in the East, even though the East and the West are it's a lot level more level than it used to be. He hasn't been able to take this team with Joel Embiid to the, to the least the conference finals. At some point, do we not point a finger there? Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that he's also the only coach who's lost uh, three, three to one leads in the history of, uh, of the NBA. If, so. if I'm going with that elevator metaphor, it's like, okay, all right, here you are at the top open door open door open and it's still taking a bit of time again he's gonna get in but i as a fan i this is not the east final i really want to see i mean actually i don't know what's happened today so i shouldn't say i i well the there we don't know who the other competitor is in the East final put that way okay fair enough all right Uh, Uh, my, my celtics won Good. All right. And, and I'm, I'm happy for that. Well, I, I knew they're going to win because Scott Foster is a referee. And if the NBA wants the <laughs> series to continue, they put Scott Foster as the main referee. Nice. So, all right, let's, let's get Nick out of here with uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly here. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. So Nick, what this is, is Evan gives us the, he closes every show with the good, the bad, and the ugly of sports. I say he closes, but I plug things at the end. So really, I'm the hammer. I'm the so, hammer now. So, uh, so good, bad, the ugly. The first one actually isn't sports. Uh, this is oh. just the world in general. We need some good news. You ready for this, Nick? Are, do you have any kids? No. No. Okay. Neither is Kirk. But I will tell you. No, none that I've met. That's true. That's possible. Uh, I, as someone, I have two kids. They're nine and seven. And I can tell you when they're babies, one of the things you get so nervous about as I'm sleeping, right? Because you hear all about SIDS and the cribs and everything. Right. A researcher in Australia thinks that they have figured out the cause of SIDS. One of the great mysteries in the history of modern medicine, uh, this researcher lost her child 29 years ago to it and just decided to spend her life trying to figure it out. And apparently there's a blood marker uh, that exists in kids who 
uh, pass away from, or those that don't pass away from SIDS that doesn't exist in those who do, and they can actually do a test for it and may be able to figure out how to prevent it altogether. Oh, wow. So we may have, I think there's nothing better than maybe solving one of the world's great medical mysteries and one of the worst things any parent can go through. I mean, they blame cribs and blame whatever. Apparently there is a blood marker that is that basically stops children from waking up when there's a problem. It basically has to do with drowsiness and, and the ability to wake up. And they can, they, if they can figure that out and figure out how to do it, they may be able to stop it altogether. So I usually don't do this with sports, but that's such a big deal. I'm just going to say it. So cool. there we go. Uh, the bad. Um, how do I want to say this? Um, I think I just sort of already brought it up. Who is less uh, shady for you, since you guys are, at least Nick's a, a fan of this, WWE referees or NBA referees? <laughs> Wait, why WWE referees out of curiosity? Um, well, I guess I guess WWE referees aren't necessarily that shady. They're, they're playing a role more than anything oh, else. It's the NBA, by far. Yeah, I mean, the NBA yeah, referees... I think the NBA... The, the WWE reps are, are told to be incompetent. That is true. And although you, you wonder with Scott Foster sometimes, but I mean, I said that today. I saw Scott Foster and I knew that the Celtics were going to win this game because he's put on games that they want series extended. He actually did game four of the Celtics net series where the Celtics swept them and he called the nets were just not good enough to overcome the Celtics in that game. But he called like ridiculous things against the Celtics over and over. And the Celtics won. You can actually see Scott Foster like frowning like he failed in his mission on the sideline. The NBA's got to do something about that perception that, oh, Scott Foster's here. We know that they want the team that's down the series to win. It's, it's a problem. It probably swings betting lines, which is a problem for the NBA. And they got to figure this out because it's not just him. There's 20 brothers and a whole bunch of other people whose level of competence is debatable. Uh, and seems more like they're company men for the NBA wanting an outcome than actually fairly officiating a game. And I say this as a guy whose team won because Scott Foster was involved. I don't know if it was because Scott Foster was involved. I didn't get to see much of it because we're doing we a podcast. Um, but it's it's a problem. We've talked about referees in, or umpires in baseball, uh, basketball. Um, they they have they got issues. They got to figure it out. I've always felt that the incompetent ones in basketball are usually favoring or something to, for an outcome. The ones in baseball are just incompetent. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. You but know. I mean, t- don't worry. Uh, Donaghy acted alone for the NBA. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Actually, I got to so. see, there's a movie that just came out about that. Is there? I think so. Oh, anyway, uh, the yeah. ugly this week. Uh, we're going to go back to the Judds. Um, yeah. And there are two parts that's ugly. The first, of course, is the face of, of mental illness and suicide. Um, Ashley was apparently with her mom, went to answer the door and came back and her mom had shot herself. Like they were sitting and talking and she literally went to answer the door and came back and her mom was dead. Uh, there's... And this was a day before they're going to be inducted into the, the country music hall of fame. Mm. Um, it's clear. It strikes everybody. It's hard. We talk about this all the time with Naomi Osaka, with 
a whole bunch of other people who that's clear that there's something they need more protection. We need better stuff. It's absolutely awful that what are the, I mean, the, there's not, there hasn't, can't possibly be a better mother daughter duo in the history of music. Correct. And anything off, offhand. I, that's the only one I could think of. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just terrible. What's I got. I just think it's just sad because, you know, just, just the very thought of like, like you see your mother and you know, you know what I mean? Like just that image that I can only imagine that Ashley Judd had witnessed is just, it's terrible, but you know, just the whole situation is just very uh, tragic, I think to say the least. And, and I think also too, cause like clearly she's been going through this for one time, decades, obviously. And I mean, I wasn't aware. Uh, I think a lot of people wouldn't, why would we be? you know, at this point. And I don't think anyone wants to say that uh, Naomi was a bad mother. Uh, and I don't want to say that at all. But I mean, I, I think that when she reached this point of mental illness, that she shot herself and not was, was not able to sort of like think about the impact that that would have on her kids coming in. And again, I'm not saying that she's a bad mom for thinking that it's just she couldn't it just I, you know what i mean do you think part of it too is like because they were announced as inductees like many 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 months ago yeah. and um with the country music hall of fame they're very selective but they're also very um like they, they tell them like way in advance maybe it was just too much for naomi like you know like the accolades because i mean she was out of the limelight for years and then you get a prestigious honor like that like a hall of fame induction and maybe it was just too much for her to to overcome with her mental illness it, it could be i i think maybe you're onto something like she was going to be also and i mentioned this last week and everyone and i were talking about that they were actually scheduled to do another farewell tour right yes another farewell tour i don't know if it was another but and it was, it was a 10 city tour starting in September. Uh, I wonder, and again, I have, I obviously I have no idea if, cause she was sort of the hot one of the, of the mother daughter. And I, and I don't want to sort of like say that flippantly, but she, the medication she was on and Evan, you were talking about that last week where right. well, she was suffering from alopecia from like other things. So, I, I, I don't, I can't even begin to try and get into her head, I, nor, nor am I qualified to, but, and I said this last week, I'll say this again, the face of mental illness, you don't know what it is. You just don't. Well, see, that's why I'm a proponent of, you know, you treat others with kindness, but you don't know what people are going. Like, we don't know, like on this call, <laughs> I don't know if like you're going through something or so so that's why you always i think sympathize you empathize but you also sympathize with people too like it, even the students i teach and the faculty like you know like the smallest things could make someone's day better and i think i don't know like i'm always a huge proponent of that but it's so hard to know i just it's so tragic because like what should be the happiest day of your life like get it into a hall of fame chosen by your peers you know that and you're going in with your daughter and 
that happens, I could only imagine what um, her two daughters are going through. Cause that's just, that's absolutely terrible to say the least. I mean. Right. And, and I actually want to go a little bit deeper into the ugly here. Cause I said, there are two parts of it. So after she passed away and Ashley got up there and spoke at the country music hall of fame, Ashley Judd was trending on Twitter. And I thought it had something to do with the fact, you know, she gave the speech and it was heartfelt and everything. I'd say over half of it was basically mocking Ashley's appearance because she looked puffy and well, oh, yeah, I missed was, that. It was awful. It was like you, you talk, said earlier, Nick, is there any part of the, the internet that is a misogynistic or the Twitter? Like it was an abomination what they're doing. This is a woman who found her mother dead, not just lost her mother, but found her mother dead, who she'd been talking to minutes before. And the next day is up on a national stage talking about it. Like, what are we doing as a society where this is what we're, what, what the, the reason for the trending is? It was absolutely abominable. I'm more surprised that they went to the ceremony at I all. I mean, I mean, it personally, because like, you know, it's like, you know, it's one thing if it's like, you know, whatnot, but like, like if they didn't want them to go or whatever, but the fact that they went like the next day, it's like, yeah. And Ashley Judd too, like she went through a lot, like in her own life, like even beyond that, like, I think she was like a sexual assault victim and um, things like that. that. That's so true too. And I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, like, Ashley Judd's career was one of the few, not few, well, one, well, one of a group that was derailed by Harvey Weinstein. And I don't know. It, 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 I, I didn't know. I didn't know that part. Even though what you brought up, I, I had no idea. Yeah, it was awful. That, that, that's why she was. Well, I, I wanted to shower afterwards. Like I looked at it, and there, I, maybe. I didn't hang around the Ashley Judd tr- trending reason like thing long enough to see it, but it was had to be the first. I think it's twenty. I saw posts. I saw her name trend. I didn't even click on it because I just assumed why. Yeah, well, I, I figured I figured we'd hear something about what she said, and there were a few on that, but that wasn't the vast majority of them. So, no, I didn't. I didn't even know that. I, I well, was, that's the problem you give people a platform like on Twitter or social media, they just say whatever they want. And sometimes it's good. And then sometimes it's like, um, you know, it, it just goes off the rails. And it's terrible. It's so good and bad. I mean, like, well, Nick, we've connected because of Twitter. Right. right. And I've known a lot of people through Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. And, and we, and you know, Evan and I put together a lot of groups really based through Twitter. And like, we've yeah. met some amazing people. And like Twitter for me, if there's somebody, and, I, and I've talked about this a few months ago, where I've essentially, I don't say, yeah, no, I've kind of modified my behavior somewhat. Unless it's Justin Trudeau, then he can go fuck himself. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. So just, that's a recurring thing. Well, let's not go into that right now. No. Yeah, but but I mean, like there there's there's people beyond that. So like I don't know what she. And, and, I, and I, I never will. I mean, it, I can't even imagine at age 76. Because it, it's a strange age to kill yourself unless you're super sick, you know? But I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I wish I honestly, I wish I didn't know that from what you told me about the people mocking Ashley's appearance. 
I wish I, I, I really wish I didn't know that. I just think people gotta be nicer to each other, but also like she just lost her mother like the day before, and she witnessed like, like that's that like she's probably gonna suffer from trauma the rest of her life and exactly. probably like grief and like you know because it's one thing when like parents expect their kids to or their kids to see them pass on right but you don't expect to see your parents in that regard so i think it's just one of those things where i can only imagine what her and um 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 why not oh my gosh yes i i had ashley like on my mind that i forgot but yeah it's just it's, it's absolutely terrible and um yeah it's just you would think it'd be because it'd be something heartfelt that you say or something right. like yeah, courageous so Evan, when you when you were looking at that, were there a bunch of when people were saying some of this awful shit, uh, were there counters? Yeah, I mean there were. There were, of course, there's the people shouting down, and there are also people put stuff on the internet just for the shock value because nobody knows who they are. Yeah, um, okay. I mean there were people, there were people, but it was just I, again, I didn't, I didn't hang out in the cesspool long. I just saw enough that I was like, I, I can't believe that. I mean, I, I can't say I can't believe because I mean. I've been the I've been on Twitter since 2012, like 10 years now. I know I know. It's, I was it's like, back on Twitter since 2012. No, I'm I'm the one I the one I could do that for is Facebook. I was Nick. I was actually probably one of the first 500 non-Harvard students on Facebook. Wow. Because I was dating a girl from Harvard, and you needed a college um, you needed a college email address in order to join. Uh, so she invited me back in 2003. 2004 wow. something like that yeah the early days of facebook were hilarious you had to determine whether you're a a, a, a werewolf a vampire or a pirate there was all sorts like it was like clans it was weird that's mark zuckerberg that's three characteristics of him <laughs> i'm joking um no like that's 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 cool but very like yeah like that's that's wild about uh facebook <laughs> I try to limit on social media like Twitter because a lot of times it gets very negative and it's like you kind of have to like turn on, turn off, kind of. So can I can I just ask one clearing the air question before we close of you, Nick, if you don't mind? What's the biggest thing you learned from your project? Which one? Which project? From the uh, the Rock Hall oh. Reconsidered. Project. Oh, Rock Hall Reconsidered. Okay. Back to you, you had to ask that question. Tells me. Oh, because I had the are. prospects project with this, which is this like my per like well, it ranked snubs list. Um, so the biggest thing I took away from the reconsidered project that Darren and I ran was probably that there's a way to induct more people into the Rock Roll Hall of Fame that uses a different methodology and a different set of standards to get quality artists on. Now, do you have to agree with every artist that gets in? Of course not. Like it, like it, that, that was kind of the point was to get a hodgepodge of different artists from different eras and genres and styles to kind of be in the conversation for the rock hall that a lot of these artists probably would never, you would think of for the rock hall. Like um, there's so many like cake, that was a band that I put up. Cake, cake was high on my list. Yes, I love I cake do. too. And but it's like you don't ever think of cake in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Or like, um, who's another one I put up? Like Talk Talk. Like, but that's the point of the project. Is kind of like it's reminding you why these artists are special and why 
we have these connections with them because at the end of the day we're all music fans we all have like the same kind of likeness that we like for the artists that we admire so i i and i i just hope that the voters who voted and the people who followed it they learned a lot about different artists that they never maybe heard of or listened to their music and hopefully they checked out a few of their songs on apple or spotify or youtube or however they discover music so and i'm always because i'm an educator so i'm always like making sure that we always are educating people and emphasizing that so yeah just um that that's what i hope is the big takeaway for the um rock hall reconsider project cool well yeah, and uh we're looking forward to doing the same thing with you know, with that in the future actually we're, one of the ones that i want to do is wwe so you're gonna to have to be part of that one. Oh well you know that is a hot mess of a hall of fame if there ever was <laughs> oh, one because there's no buddy. there's no standards there's no it's like no, let's just, yes oh man it, you and i are it, gonna have fun you're, so all i'm gonna say is like because i'm just gonna go to rant for a minute like the Christ. wwe hall of fame it's literally like who do we want to induct there's no standards like if you think the rock and roll hall of fame or country music hall of fame is bad in terms of like not abiding by standards oh we got a wwe hall of fame just waiting for you i mean uh, you never heard that one before huh yeah oh no i mean i agree with you the only the only worst or least less making sense hall of fame than the rock and roll hall of fame is wwe I mean, and it's two things I love the most in the world. Like, go figure. Okay. I, I had no idea you were a wrestling fan, too. Uh, oh, okay. yes. I've, I've got some things to tell you afterwards. But this is the plugging section. We close with my plugs. Because I'm, as the head of the Buckerverse. <laughs> it's never going to get old, Evan. It's never going to get old. I, I can't call keep, it a network. Keep, keep down to yourself that. Continue. The first, honestly, when you first said, it, I thought you said the fuck first, and I was like, <laughs> very confused. Well, it's, with, with with Kirk, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, <laughs> but then I was like, oh, the fuck never stops. Yes, I'm sorry. The fuck verse. Anyway, continue. No, I, I'm trying to come up with a joke. I got nothing, so I will continue. All right. Well, that was the joke. <laughs> yes, that was the joke. Uh, so, hey, I wrote a book. Speaking of that book, uh, what? I learned something on Twitter, the other cesspool, because the right wing were making fun of the fact that nobody bought Jill Biden's book. The left wing were making fun of the fact that nobody bought Megan McCain's book. And they both said that they only really sold under 300 copies. I've sold more than that on my book. Chavo Guerrero, instant classic. I helped write his autobiography before he passed away. The late, great Chavo Guerrero Sr. Get that on Amazon. Chavo Guerrero, instant classic. Told you, Nick, I'm a, I'm a wrestling guy. Didn't know That's that. Amazing. Yeah. I'm a published altier. Oh, boy. <laughs> the thing is, yeah, I love you too. Uh, altier. Man, mm, yeah, well, uh, I also have other shows. This is the flagship show, of course, but there's also... How the hell did this go number one? Well, next week, we're going to look at Bat Dance by Prince. And we're going to ask Andrew Tessman, Brad Nelson, and I, how the hell did that go number one? I'm going to shit, shit all over that. But I've got a special guest for that show, Chris Bournet, who's also my co-host on... This crap was on national television. 
and we just recorded the powers of Matthew Starr, the pilot. Don't you don't know. remember that one, Evan? No. You again, you've missed nothing. It was terrible, except for the fact that it had Louis Gossett Jr., who was one actor, an actor, and I'm an actor. Are, are you are you are you trying to be Quebecois or Belgian right now? I'm not, I'm confused. I don't know what a Belgian accent is, so I will just. You don't know you don't know what a French one is, so I figured there was something else. <laughs> the French part of me, which I am half Quebecois. Yeah. yeah. All right. So anyway, continue. All right. Also, Vinny Lospinuso, the Wonderkind of Hall of Fames. He does a regular show with us where he talks about. Random people, well, they always seem pretty damn random to me, who he thinks should be in various halls of fame. And uh, the latest one that'll come up is why he thinks Theodore Roosevelt, former president of the United States, belongs in the college football and pro football hall of fame. And if that makes no sense to you, it didn't to me initially, but it will. Check that out. The Classic Sports Review will also have a new show coming up where we look at the fumble game. Tom Hall of Mile High Huddle, Mile High Huddle, I don't know, easy for me to say, is going to be a special guest on that one. I think that's all the sh shit I do. I do a lot. Oh, I, I have a couple and then we'll let Nick close here. Um, so yesterday I participated for the very first time in my first Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, it was on live your, on Twitch. Not your very first Dungeons and Dragons game. It was. Your first I've, never played, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I've seen people, lots of people play it. I've actually paid good money to watch people play in the Chicago theater downtown. Oh, um, you've never, never actually, actually played, played it? Before. Nope. Oh, shit, okay. So my first game was last night um, for charity for the uh, uh, Jasper's Game Day, which is a suicide prevention uh, group. Um, and my the DM that we had was uh, Justice Armin who is one of the uh, main writers for Wizards of the Coast, which owns uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Played for three hours. It's pretty cool. But if you want to check it out, uh, feel free. And uh, please support, if you have the opportunity, uh, Jasper's Game Day and all the stuff that they do. Uh, and finally, for us, uh, the two of us are the co-founders and chairmen and president of the uh, United States Athletics Hall of Fame, because there, believe it or not, Nick, there was there's no National U.S. Sports Hall of Fame. So we came up with one and incorporated and incorporated it. Yes, you guys are revolutionaries yeah. on the Hall of Fame front. There we go. Uh, we and Nick uh, uh, Kirk actually has two others. He has the fictitious Rock and the fictitious uh, Athlete Hall uh, Athlete Hall of Fame as well. That I do know. Yeah. So well, we're going to have our first class coming out in October. Uh, I actually did talk about a Kirk yesterday on my outro from uh, oh, yeah? the game. Yep. So nice. at, least at least 273 people heard me because that's how many people were on when I was talking. Awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, please vote for that. Much like Nick, uh, we just were part of a committee. Um, we had former athletes, Olympians, uh, NFL players, fans, coaches who are on that uh, triathletes who are on uh, that nominee committee. All we do is gatekeep. And after that, all the votes, our votes count just as much as everybody else. Uh, so we'll have our first class sometime in October. Uh, so please vote early and often. And by often, I mean you can only do it once a day. Nonhalloffame.com forward slash USA. And Nick, the floor is yours to plug whatever you want, my friend. You sat through two oh, hours wow. with us, so you, got, you definitely <laughs> get the last thing to say. Wow. Uh, very honored to get the last word. Uh, well, I have the podcast Rock and Retrospect that 
has been around since last summer. We're going to celebrate our 30th episode next month. My podcast focuses on an artist that usually the guest selects, and then we talk about their life, career, and impact on both music and popular culture. Sometimes we also veer off to different topics that I'm more interested in too, uh, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Kennedy Center Honors, the Academy Awards, um, and just various other uh, topics. But yeah, we have the uh, Rock and Retrospect podcast. It's on Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much any major platform, we're on there. So check us out there. Uh, I also have the blog, the Audiovisual Repository. So because of the Rock Hall Reconsidered project, I did not have a lot of time to write blogs over the last year or so, because it's a lot of work to run a project like that with. So I did that with Darren. So hopefully more blogs will come in the near future. So the audiovisualrepository.com is my blog. And yeah, that's the two things I would like to plug. All right. Well, thank you all. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate this. We thank really you. do. We really do. Uh, we've been, we want to have more guests, but then people see Evan, they don't want to come. <laughs> yep. It's definitely me. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's never me. No, never. Well, wherever you are, wherever you may be, stay safe, my friends. Take care. Take care, everybody.